Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. With PodPower, our sponsors are making it possible to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a PodPower shout-out to Overdue Finds, an Edmonton Public Library podcast. Bryce Crittenden and Carolyn Land host conversations about books, movies, music, pop culture, and other interesting news about Edmonton. It's a great way to learn more about what's happening at EPL and about how you can use your library card to access all of EPL's in-person and online services. To listen and find out more about Overdue Finds, head to epl.ca slash podcast. We're back. Woo! I feel like I've said that a lot at the beginning of the last couple episodes. We're back. <laughs> well, it's not inaccurate because we record and then we leave and read a chapter and then we come back. It's probably a little jarring for the people who binge the podcast. Yeah, but the people who binge understand that we only release one episode a week. Right? We, we talk about that a lot. It's so, true. So, no offense, people who binge, but you did it to yourselves. Well, there's no wrong way to listen to the read-along. No, it's true. If you're listening, listen in the way that pleases you. If you read the whole book and then binge the whole podcast, that's your choice. Yeah. If you still do it one chapter at a time, but all at once in one big chunk so that you're not waiting week to week, that's fine too. I mean, we decided to do week to week partly because it's, that's a reasonable release schedule. Yeah. But also because it gives us a week to kind of digest things. Well, yeah, it's think, the, think about the, the episode. It's the beauty of podcasts, right? It's basically talk radio on demand on almost any subject you can imagine. So really, uh, you do you. Full disclosure, one of the other things that kind of inspired a weekly chapter-by-chapter read-through was all of those podcasts that do episode-to-episode reviews of television shows, of which there are many, for every television show. Yeah. Name a television show, there's like 10 podcasts that are doing uh, oh, episode-by-episode reviews of it. Quite possibly, yeah. Um, but I was like, I don't, I don't know of any podcasts that do that for books, and I thought that was kind of an interesting idea. I'm willing to bet that there are plenty of podcasts out there that do book-by-book. Book. Oh, for sure, but not at our pace. Well, no, that's just it. We do chapter by chapter, right? We don't do book by book. We don't we don't do just a book review every episode. We do a chapter review every episode. Yeah, because we want to kind of languish through the book, take our time, digest it a little more slowly, and, and in a way that you might not normally approach a book. Yeah. By stopping and kind of like sitting on the chapter. Because I know for most books, if I'm into it, I'll just devour it. There have been several books now that we've done on the podcast where... I've taken my time and it's purposefully made me stop and kind of ruminate on what's going on in a way that I don't normally engage with a book. And it's been it's been kind of delightful in a way, actually. Mm -hmm. I really like how we do it, too, because sometimes you reach a point in a book and you really want to talk about it with somebody. Yeah. Right. But by the time you get to the end of the book, either your question has been answered and it doesn't matter or you've forgotten about it because maybe it was a little early on. I like that we can sit down and talk about stuff as it's happening in the book yeah. and then carry on. But hopefully that's, nice. hopefully that's engaging for, uh, for you, the listener, as well. 
Oh, yes, I hope and, so. Uh, by all means, engage with us, like, chapter to chapter, if, if there's something you want to talk to us about. We do mention that we're on social media at the <laughs> end of every episode. Yeah, you can reach out to us. Uh, we have a Facebook group. You can reach out to us on Twitter. We will talk back at you <laughs> in person, live, if you get uh, Especially on Twitter. I'm yeah. Twitter is the one thing I'm decent at. Th- there you go. So, But, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how we decided to approach our podcast at a slightly slower pace. Yeah. And and as a very uh inoffensive and low bar of entry book club. So <laughs> Yeah. I've I've often billed us as the like super low commitment book club. Yeah. But uh hopefully it's been valuable to you as well. I'd I'd hate to think that uh no one else is getting something out of this. Ooh. So uh, but with that said, uh, a brief recap of chapter 19 of our novel, in which Johnny and Nick arrive at Akhmatov's place, his, get themselves in. His creepy underground private library? Yeah, get taken down to his creepy underground murder library, <laughs> and uh, let loose to go and find a needle in a haystack. And uh, Nick appears to actually find that needle, though it's not in a haystack, it's more in a sand dune. <laughs> and that leads us to chapter 20 of Beneath the Rising by Primi Mohammed. I have titled my notes this week, An Evening with Namru. <laughs> like Tuesdays with Mori, except it's An Evening with Namru. <laughs> there you go. Non-zero chance that ends up as the title of the episode. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Unless, unless one of us has a better bon mot <laughs> over the course of uh, the next little bit here. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, now, naturally, Nick is startled by a talking mummy creature clutching a book, has a big big old scream about it, then kind of uh, collects himself and, and impressively kind of has the presence of mind not to like knee-jerk answer the thing, but to kind of turn things around into a bit of an interrogation of what's up with you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one asking the questions. Yeah. And as you already kind of uh, mentioned, the creature is called Namru. Yeah. He, he had, gives his name fairly early on and kind of describes itself as a sort of lesser god of knowledge <laughs> the note i made was that he's like a lesser drowsy uh, uh, mm, no nick actually very pointedly says that he does not feel akin to drozanov yeah like he gets a very different vibe from the creature oh no yes oh agreed a different vibe but he pointed out a lot of similarities they're both ultra dimensionals so <laughs> well yeah that's what i meant like in that way, like similar to Drazenoth, but not nearly as scary or bad or a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah. Now, Namaru was kicking around as, uh, as we kind of described, a lesser god of knowledge for a while, and then apparently got tricked into becoming the guardian of this dark and forbidden knowledge that is contained within this book. And Nick is like, well, we were we were given permission to have the book by the dude upstairs, and Namaru's like, nah, that guy doesn't own this book. Yeah, that's great. He gave you permission to something that he doesn't own. However... I am willing to strike a bargain with you here, because obviously you need the book, and I kind of want to get out of this predicament, so we could just do a little tradesies. Nick is like, well, I I don't really have anything to offer you. I suppose I could offer you some time, because he's aware that that seems to be a currency that they like to deal in. Yeah, the big they. And Namru's just like, "Um, take a look around, buddy. I got all the time in the universe. I don't need your time. What I want is for you to take my place. Yes. This whole thing, the whole bartering back and forthness, I legit had to go back and read it twice because I found it 
stupid confusing. Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm going to get into that and I have a slight bone to pick with this particular chapter because of that. Okay. Cuz I also had to double back at one point. Just kind of a first for this book. Yeah. I don't it, normally have to double back and reread stuff, so it was a sort of a unique situation for me. Namru is like this is a pretty sweet deal cuz you want the book and the book will be yours. You just, you know, can never leave this place and become its eternal guardian. That's that's the trade-off. And Nick's like that doesn't seem like a really good deal at all. <laughs> not, not really. And Namru's like, "Well, I'll sweeten the pot for you." You might be stuck here, but you can also move on because I can create another you and that you could be whisked away to some other universe that isn't about to end. Can live out his days in, in glorious freedom. You could vicariously carry on with the rest of your life while you yourself are trapped here for eternity. That's a pretty sweet deal. Nick's like, that still doesn't seem like a pretty sweet deal. No, not really. So then they reach this weird sort of impasse, I guess, because... Namru's not going to just give up the book. Well, and reasonably. Yeah, actually, before before this, the offer, in air quotes, happens, Nick's like, I, I don't have anything to give you. And he says, well, then you can't have it. It just yeah. sort of stops, like shuts down. Like, well, I guess I'm just going to go back to sitting Yeah, silently. Like, that's kind of the situation here. <laughs> here in this hand. But yeah, this offer is weird. And something I just thought of as you've explained it in your own words, will Nick also experience this extra life? Oh no! Goodness While no. sitting in a in a sand dune in the dark, absolutely not. I didn't think so. Also, does not sound like a very good deal. No, he's going to be stuck here for eternity with the book, or at least until some other schlub comes along and and exchanges the book for imprisonment. So but, I don't understand the selling point. Well, the idea being that hey, if you're worried that people will miss you, that you won't be there for your family or your friends or to help your mad scientist pal save the world or whatever no problem i can create a doppelganger who will go in your place and be you in that place so that you are not missed so that you still play out your role in what's to come but okay so then nick's counter is but that world's going to be destroyed anyway and then he's like yeah but i'll, I'll send him to a perfect world where so things the, aren't about to be okay destroyed. so the counter counter is a perfect world Okay, but that does not sweeten the pot at all. Like, we've pretty much established that there are multiple realities at this point. Why couldn't one of them be Earth-like enough that it's more or less the same? Yeah, you sit here in this black, sandy loneliness, and I'll send a version of you to a better world. That sounds awesome, right? Yeah, you you sit here forever in misery while, while someone else who looks like you gets to live out the rest of your perfect life. Yeah, please take this book. Well... No, <laughs> this is this is a deal gone weird. Well, here's the thing. There might be some version of a person for whom this is actually a tempting offer. Because maybe like Nick's not the right person to sell this to because Nick doesn't really want the knowledge in that book. But you've got to believe that there's someone out there who would be interested in that knowledge and be like, I could sit here forever reading the book, gaining all of its knowledge. There might be something in there that could break me free. There might be some other schlub who could come along eventually and switch with me, and then I would still have that knowledge. I mean, I might have to wait a little while, but, I mean, someone else came along to ask him for the book. Like, there's someone who's going to be doing that mental rubric and being like, this might actually not be a bad deal. The problem is Nick is absolutely the wrong person to make that deal for, because Nick doesn't care what's in the book. He just needs it for Johnny. Yeah. That person is also not me, because I'm reading through this going, this sounds like a terrible deal. Ah, uh, but you don't want that sweet, sweet forbidden knowledge. Ah, uh, it's not so much about the forbidden knowledge as that I don't want to sit in a black desert alone and silent forever. That sounds terrible. I mean, presumably not forever, just for a very long time. 
Yeah, that's still Namor wasn't there forever. He was just there for a very long time. Yeah, but to the point of being like ghastly and deathly and mummy-ish. No yeah. thanks. Just saying, I can only speak for me. Like we know, we know we can speak for Nick because you know. Well, we're in his head too. Exactly, we're in his head, and I can also speak for me. No thanks. Well, here's the other thing: Nick can't afford to stay. There's not the time for that. No. Uh, in fact, he's wasted precious minutes just talking to Namru. Even if some other version of him goes off to live some perfect life, it doesn't save this world, which nope. is kind of the world that he cares about. Right. So. He refuses the request and then just kind of like snatches the book out of Namru's hands. Is like, yoink, going to steal that. Despite the uh, the immediate kind of like angry backlash, he quickly finds himself back in the library, struggling with a, a howling tome of evil. Yeah. I wonder if Namru isn't bluffing and this is Nick's way of calling that bluff. My guess is that this was certainly an easy way to get the book. Namru may not have been completely honest with him because obviously Namru doesn't want to be trapped there anymore. Well, here's the thing, though. Does Namru genuinely have the power to create an alternate perfect world for this other Nick to live in? Well, he wasn't creating an alternate perfect world. He was just opening a rift to an alternate perfect world. Fair enough. He was creating a portal there. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Portal makes more sense. Still, I wonder if he wasn't bluffing. The honest truth is we don't know. And Nick certainly gets the impression that he's not. That mm. this is a genuine offer. Fair enough. But again, it my my feeling is that it might be an offer being made not in entirely good faith. Because Namaru definitely has an agenda here. Oh, yeah. He wants out. Yeah. Johnny immediately rushes around the corner, grabs the book from Nick, and uh, calms it down using her stenciled palms. Well, and gives Nick... A lot of guff for... Yeah, the what for? Yeah. Kind of unfairly, in fact. A hundred percent unfairly. Just making assumptions as she comes running in. Yeah, she, like, asks if he ever listens with his stupid pea brain, basically. And did, like, he not understand when she said it was dangerous to handle the book? What was he thinking? And he's like, I called for you when I found it. And she was like, no, I would have heard you on the other side of the room if you'd called. You said no such thing. So Nick kind of just shuts her up. Yeah, kicking uh, off his shoe and kicking, tipping out a bunch of black sand. She swallows any of the rest of the uh, yeah. berating that she had for him. You'll note there was no apology forthcoming. No, not even a little. For all of the yelling she did at him. They head over instead to a table where Johnny can do her research. And Nick completely drained from this experience, just slips into another creepy sleep. But actually has a moment where he ruminates back on something that I did not mention, that he heard when he was talking to Namru. He does hear it, but he doesn't really catch it in the moment, and it's only now when he has a moment to think about it for a second that he latches on to the word breaching. Yes, breached. Because Namru suggests that he'll send the duplicate Nick to some other world where the walls between... Uh, that world and the terrible world where they live was never breached by some impossible box that never should have been. I mean, he doesn't exactly use those those words. No, but... It's what he's talking The about. implication is pretty clear. This is what we kind of had already gleaned from, mm -hmm. from previous chapters, that the impossible box, based on the way it functions, had actually created its own rift. Uh, something like that, yeah. It had, it had been the thing that had weakened reality. It punched a hole in the wall. Yeah, it didn't just open the door, it created a hole in the wall. Yeah, so the they're racing to close a gate, but it might not be 
enough. It, it might, might not. It might be too late. You can close the gate, but if the fence falls over, you can't do much about that. Yeah, we're we're rushing to lock the door, and we failed to notice that we've crashed into the wall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that seems to be maybe the case here. So that's where we end on chapter twenty. Well, sort of. You failed to mention that there's probably something out hunting them now. Well, yeah, um, because the the book sets like when the book starts wailing as Nick handles it. That's kind of been previously hinted at as sort of an alarm. What happened happened and whatever's coming is coming, I think is what Nick says. Something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, they've got a limited amount of time and then they need to get out of there. Yeah. So I think our next chapter is going to be a fight of some kind. Or at least a flight, which seems more likely. Because that seems to be more of what they do. Uh, Given their history, probably both. A little bit of both. Johnny will punch a couple zombies and then they'll run. (laughs) As you do. As you do. A bit of a short chapter. Interesting. Definitely yeah. some good uh, character beats for Nick, I felt. I have one last question about Johnny. Well, I have I have two things. All right. Which one of us gets to go first? I'll go one, then you do your Johnny thing, then I'll do my second thing. Okay. Because I think my second thing is also something we both want to talk about a little bit. Okay. Nick has a moment in this chapter where he bemoans how unfair it is that he's the one who keeps getting tempted. And I thought that was actually neat because he's like, why do, why do all these monsters keep trying to tempt me? And then it dawns on him that it's because Johnny was already tempted and gave in to that temptation. Yeah, they can't tempt her anymore. She's already taken the deal. Yeah, she's done. She's she's signed the contract with the devil. The devil doesn't need to do anything else with her. No. That's why they keep coming after him. And he's like, oh. Yeah, they tempt him because he is the only temptable option of these of this pair. Yeah. So I I thought that was interesting. Yeah. A a nice little moment of revelation. What was your Johnny thing? She gives him a lot of guff for not calling to her when he finds the book. Did she sincerely expect this amazing mystical tome to just be lying on top of a stack of books somewhere in a basement? I mean, That it wouldn't have (laughs) some sort of magical ward around it or something? My guess is she certainly didn't expect that he would be drawn into an alternate world and given a a tempting offer by some otherworldly being that was forever bound to the book. I'm thinking that maybe she thought that he would see a glowing book on the shelf. Yes, I'm willing to gather that's the case. Yeah, okay. It just seems strange that she would underestimate it that strongly. I mean, if there's one thing that we can safely say about Johnny, it's that she's pretty good at underestimating a lot of things. She's yeah, okay, already that's true. she's straight up admitted that she underestimated the end of the world like two chapters ago. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh when they were in the in the library and she was like, "Oh, things are actually worse than I thought." Yeah. So yeah. if she can underestimate the apocalypse, then it's pretty safe to say that she can underestimate what a magic book can do. Fair enough. All right, what was your last thing? We both had to double back in this chapter cuz we both got lost. And that is unfortunate. I want to say I've been enjoying the book very much, and I think that Premium Muhammad is an excellent author, and if she ever listens to this podcast, hopefully this does not mortify her. I hope not. But there was a point in the chapter where I got lost, and it was because it was unclear what Nick was talking to at some point. Because the alternate Nick shows up, but it's not revealed up front that it is an alternate Nick. And he keeps yeah. he keeps talking to something, but it's unclear if he's still talking to Namru or if this other thing that showed up is the thing that's now talking to. Right. Him. He mentions something approaches out of the sand. Yeah. Yeah. And then a few paragraphs later, he mentions this other Nick. And I'm like, when did we get another Nick? Yeah. It wasn't what is happening. I, I realized at that point that the thing that had approached was the other yeah. was the other Nick. But after I went back. But for a moment, I thought that the thing that had approached them was the thing that he was now talking to because there was a slight shift in tone from Namor. Right? Yes, there was. When he started making the hard sell. And for a moment, I thought that this other creature had shown up and was now making a hard sell to him. 
And I was like, where, what's going on? And I was legit lost. And it was only after it was revealed that an another Nick had shown up that I was like, okay, now things make sense. And I had to actually double back and reread it so that it made sense in my brain. And that's like a minor writing quibble that sh maybe should have been cleared up. I, I agree. Only, but only because we both had to double back. And it's a bit jarring because it's the first time that we've had any sort of issue like that. Yeah. Book. Yeah. Like I've gone back to remind myself of something. Oh, even in I've, previous novels, for sure. Yeah, exactly. But to go back and reread it because I truly didn't understand what was happening. That's and that's different. I'm going to I'm going to just take us back for a moment to Black Leopard Red Wolf, the previous novel we read. There were passages in that which I had to read more than once. And there were points where I had to double back for things to make sense. It was it was a challenging read, but it was a challenging read on purpose. It was deliberately written in a style that was evocative of the teller of the story. Mm -hmm. In this case, Tracker. It wasn't unusual for something to be worded in a weird way or something to be parsed in a wrong way or for us to jump around in the story because it was meant to sound like, or it was meant to read like someone telling a story. Someone without a lot of education telling a story. Whereas in this novel, it really was kind of a jarring moment where it was like, everything has made sense up to this point and now I'm lost. Yeah, and now I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I don't know that that was deliberate and that is unfortunate. Is it's it? a minor quibble, though. And if this is the only time it happens in the novel, like, oh, that's, yeah, no that's, hardly, that's yeah. a slight bump. Um, and I mean, we've read books by much more experienced authors that have had occasional issues in them. It happens. Oh, yeah. And I've criticized us before that we don't talk about the craft of writing enough. And so the fact that it jumped out at me, this seemed like an opportunity to talk about the craft mm -hmm. of writing. Um, clarity is important. <laughs> yes, it is. And again, this is not a slam at Primo Muhammad. Even super, much, much more experienced off. Stephen King makes mistakes in, in books. Neil Gaiman makes mistakes in books. George R. R. Martin makes mistakes in books. They happen. It happens. <laughs> George R. R. Martin can't keep track of his own story. No, it's kind of... He outsources it to fans. It's, it, to be fair, his story's gotten pretty big and convoluted. Oh so. my goodness. If he has one of those conspiracy boards, I bet it's 3D and takes up an entire house. Yeah, probably. But uh, at any rate, uh, with that minor quibble aside, and, and again... Don't want to imply that it's been a bad read by any stretch. It's been a wonderful read so far. And I'm looking forward to reading chapter 21, which you're going to want to read up on in time for next week. I really want to see how it ends. Yeah. In the meantime, you know, um, when we read, and, and this is not necessarily the case for everybody. Obviously, there are people who might not be able to read with their eyes and are going through books via Braille or via audiobook, some other medium. Uh, but for us, we do have that visual component where we are reading text on a page. And that means that every now and then we do need to go and make sure that our vision is not degrading any further than it already has as we enter into our middle age. Look, and I've worn glasses most of my life. It's true. And, and that is true for a lot of people. And if you happen to need your glasses prescription checked or you want to make sure that your vision is still up to snuff, uh, good news. There are optometrists. And that includes right here in Alberta. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. 
It happens. One in four school-age kids has a vision problem. Yet 80% of learning is visual for a child. That's why booking family eye exams with an optometrist helps ensure learning success. You can't detect hidden eye problems, but your optometrist can. Alberta health coverage towards annual eye exams is available until your child's 19th birthday. Book your family's eye exam today at optometrists.ab.ca. I see my optometrist every year. Appropriate sponsor for a podcast about reading. Right? Yeah. Uh, though, again, as mentioned before, doesn't mean that everybody is making their way through the book with their eyes. Mm-hmm. Because not everybody can, and that is fine. You find the way to enjoy books the way you can. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, whatever works for you. And then listen along to us enjoying the book as well. Yes. That's the idea. Um, <laughs> you can check out some of the other sponsors for the podcast uh, and the podcast network itself right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. While you're there, you'll find many other member podcasts on a variety of wonderful subjects. They're all very interesting. They all have delightful hosts. And you should check them all out. When you find one that you like, download it on your podcatcher of choice. You'll find us there as well. Nita's just not cutting in at all, so I'm just going to keep talking. Well, because you... This is your riff. This is what you do. <laughs> but usually you've jumped in at this I'm sorry. Uh, you can give us a rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice as well. Uh, that helps us out. We appreciate your feedback. There we go. Uh, you can also give us feedback on social media. Yes. The standards that you've heard me rattle off many times before. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Goodreads. We are at The Read Along on most of those. You can also get a hold of us via email. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. I'm willing to bet there's a fight coming. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All read along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along and check out our group on Goodreads.com. <laughs>